working at Grace of Ann, if it went wrong or went bad, I did it. Um, that's pretty much the truth. And so um, that's, that's probably all you need to know. Um, if you heard about things that happened before you were here and you're like, that, that probably doesn't happen at, at, at a church, um, it was my fault. Let me tell you what we're going to do this morning. I mean, this is, is interesting because we're not, um, I'm not going through a book study with you. And so I'm going to take you to an odd place and let me tell you why we're going to go there. Um, I just finished preaching through Jonah at our church. And so it's fresh on my mind. Um, and so I, I want to look with you at the beginning of Jonah this morning. We can't jump in the middle of the book because then it would be lost. But there's so much in the first three verses um, that I think it'll be profitable to your souls. Let me tell you what one commentator said about the book of Jonah. He said this, Jonah is a storied presentation of the gospel. There's sin and there's grace and there's desperation and there's deliverance. It screams to us that while we are great sinners, God is a great savior. While our sin reaches far, His grace reaches farther. And then he quotes this. And if you don't hear anything else that I say this morning, remember the gist of this. You're not gonna get it word by word, but this, if you can wrap your mind around this by faith, y'all, this will set you free. He says this. This story shows that God is in the business of relentlessly pursuing rebels like us and that he comes after us not to angrily strip strip away our freedoms, but to affectionately strip away our slavery so that we may become truly free. Listen to that again. This is what God is doing in your sanctification. The story shows that God is in the business of relentlessly pursuing rebels like us and that he comes after us not to angrily strip, strip away our freedom but to affectionately strip away our slavery so that we may become truly free. I don't know about you, but I crave that so badly that I can hardly stand it. That God would strip away the sinful things that I still cling to and that I still love that are enslaving me that I'm only truly free when it's he who rips them apart from me. I want that so bad today and tomorrow and again that I can't stand it. And I bet you do as well. Here's what I want you to think about before we get to these verses. We're not gonna look at the fish and all that stuff. But it did happen. Jonah is a lot like us. And the book of Jonah comes alive the more you can relate to Jonah. Before we look at him and start judging his behavior, let me just ask you this question. Don't raise your hands. And we're in church, and I'm going to ask you to be honest, which people are afraid of doing in church. If you want to get Jonah, you have to get this question. In your personal relationship with God, have you ever been angry with him? Don't raise your hands. If you haven't, you probably don't know him. 
Um, I'm not talking about leaving the faith. I'm just saying, have you had seasons like I've had where God sovereignly does something that you didn't see coming and you said in your heart of hearts, I love you. I have no other refuge other than you. You are my God. You are my salvation, but I'm angry with you. Have you ever been there? God, I don't know why you did this. This isn't what I would have willed. You probably handled that better than I did. But this is why I love Jonah, the prodigal prophet. Because he knows what it's like to be mad at God. I see a whole lot of me in Jonah. Jonah gets mad at God and Jonah runs. Just like we do. If you got a Bible, you're going to need it. We are in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Here we go. And now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. I don't know what God did to make you mad, but let me tell you this. You will only resonate with Jonah's story when you understand what God did that made Jonah so mad. When you get that, it's hard to be angry at the prodigal prophet. You look at him and go, "Mm mm-hmm, exactly. Of course he ran. Let me show you what made Jonah so angry. I want to show you three things and we'll go worship together. I want to show you Jonah's resume because this might be the thing that you don't know. Um, This is what makes the book make sense. And then very, very, very briefly, if you happen to be a note taker, point one is longer than two or three, so don't get nervous. I want to show you Jonah's calling and his response. And I hope that when we leave together, grace will be something that is so beautiful for you to contemplate. Um, How indeed we sin heavy and hard, but the grace of the Savior goes further and further and further than we can sin. First thing I want you to see is Jonah's resume. You don't see this, you don't get Jonah. It's in verse one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying. There's a a good bit in there that, that we have to unpack. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Now, this is the brief introduction to one of the main characters in the book. Obviously, one of the main characters is Jonah. The book is written or entitled after Jonah. He either wrote it or he gave all the information to someone who wrote the book. We're not sure which one. I think he wrote it. Uh, If you disagree, we can still talk in heaven. It'll be fine. It's not a deal killer. Jonah probably wrote the book, um, but Jonah's not the main character of the book. The the main character of every book, of every story, of every lesson, of every verse is God himself. Jonah is about the God who will pursue a rebellious prophet like this. The same God that pursued you and I. Now the word of the Lord, that's a big phrase in the Old Testament. 
The word of the Lord is a phrase that's used repeatedly throughout the Old Testament over a hundred and something times. And it describes the activity of when God speaks to his prophets. It was generally followed by a message that the prophet was authorized to deliver to the people as God's messenger. So when the word of the Lord comes to you specifically, if you're a prophet, it's kind of a big deal. Which is the point? The the book starts right out of the gate with the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And you would read that originally and be like, wow. I mean, it's good to be Jonah. It's favored to be Jonah. When the word of the Lord to the people comes through you and you're the messenger. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Not a big deal if you don't know who he is because nobody does. Um, He's mentioned one more time in the Bible where I'll show you. And that's all we know about Mr. Amittai. Um, But let me show you where that place is because this is where it all makes a whole lot of sense. In terms of Jonah's resume and Jonah's credentials, this isn't the first time that the word of the Lord has come to Jonah. Jonah is a veteran. Jonah is a superstar. Jonah has a track record and a name and a reputation, and he enjoys a status because of the word of the Lord has previously come to him. This is not Jonah's first rodeo. Jonah is willing to protect this status and this reputation at all costs. Keep your hand here. Look with me at 2 Kings chapter 14. This is really the summary of the entire book of Jonah. 2 Kings chapter 14. This is in the middle of the 8th century. I know that's very interesting. They're under the reign of King Jeroboam II. The people of God are downwardly spiraling in this decline of spiritual darkness. They have pretty much become full-fledged idolaters. And we read this in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 23. In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, the king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria for 41 years. That's a long time to have a bad king. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all of the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, of which he made Israel to sin, all right? Here's the picture. The nation is spiraling downward and they've got a king who is evil. They've got a king who is very wicked, who is not afraid to flagrantly flaunt his sin and wickedness. And he's leading the nation downward in terms of its idolatry. It's a bad time to be alive. They hate God. They're worshiping pagan idols. And we read this in verse 25. He restored the border of Israel from Labo, from Labo Hamath as far as the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord. Now, before you read the next sentence, that's a big deal. When you're serving idols and you're fleeing from the Lord, for God to bless you with a season of peace and prosperity where you can rebuild the wall and fortify and protect yourself and enjoy peace, is huge. According to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant, 
Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, who was from gath which is three miles from where Jesus was from. This was Jonah's first assignment. This is what made Jonah famous. Of all the prophets that were sent by God to declare the coming judgments and disciplines for their sin and idolatry and whorings, Jonah is sent to declare good news while they're still sinning, while they're still idolaters, while they're still pagans. Jonah is sent to declare to the people. For the Lord saw the affliction of Israel was very bitter, for there was none left, bond or free, and there was no one to help Israel. But the Lord had not said that he would not blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, so he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. Nobody worry. God is going to bless us. I'm Jonah, and he sent me to tell you that he's going to bless us. And he does. Now, don't miss this. He doesn't bless them because of their goodness. He doesn't bless them because of their repentance. Because they hadn't and they didn't. He doesn't bless them because of their faithfulness and their works and their religion and their being good Pharisees. He sends Jonah to show grace and compassion for his people because he can't stand to see them oppressed by their enemies any longer. I'm sending you grace despite the undeservedness of your sin. Now, when you're the prophet that goes and tells the people that, and then it happens, you're the golden boy. That was Jonah. Jonah's the one who prophesies good things about us and they come true. Now, here's why Jonah's even more stellar and more of a hero. It came true why Jonah was still alive. So Jonah is a living legend. Everybody knows who Jonah is. Now, when you go back to verse one, and the word of the Lord comes to Jonah, the son of Amittai, we could say again, do you think he might be swelled up with a little bit of nationalistic pride? Do you think Jonah might be a little prideful? The one who's responsible for announcing this remarkable period of peace and prosperity. And it came. Do you think Jonah might know that he's kind of the man? The word of the Lord returned to the successful, well-known, famous hero the bearer of the great feats of God to his undeserving people. If you were reading this in the original audience and you read the words, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, you would be going, yes. This is a good thing. This will be good. Whatever he speaks comes true. So brace yourselves because this is not just any prophet. This is Jonah. Jonah just does big things. Jonah just prophesies big things. All right. Now look at his calling in verse two. 
The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. This is the great news that God sends by way of his hero, his boy. Arise, it's a word in the Hebrew that that carries a sense of urgency. It's like saying, now, immediately, get up now and go. Go to Nineveh. That's near modern day Mosul that we see so often in the news in Iraq. That great city, it was. Nineveh was huge. It's debatable whether it's just talking about one city or the geographical area of four cities, but the point is this. Nineveh was enormous. The walls are said to have been 100 feet high and so wide that you could ride three chariots with horses across them at one time. Nineveh is huge. Nineveh is fortified. Nineveh Nineveh is strong. And Nineveh is pagan to the core. Like, I want you to go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it because their evil has come up before me. Now, this is odd for several reasons. Number one, if you were a prophet, you got to stand amongst Israel and declare to them what God was about to do to them or their enemies. Nobody gets sent to the Ninevites to tell them what God's about to do. That's crazy. Here's the other thing. Nineveh's not just a great city. Remember that word that God sent through Jonah? That he was going to free them from their, from their enemies and protect them and give them peace? Guess who their enemies were back then? Guess who the greatest thorn in the side of the Israelites is during these generations? The Ninevites. Hey, Jonah, get up right now and go to our enemies because their evil has come up before me and call out against it. Or we could say, preach out against it because their evil has come up before me. Those people that are the greatest threat to your survival and well-being, go to your most feared enemies And prophesy and call out and preach. Do you see why Jonah's mad? Uh, you're, you're probably not like me in this regard because I have some deep-seated issues. Um, <clears throat> but if God called me this afternoon, if, 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 if he gave me a vision after lunch that may be indigestion or something odd, If he called me and said, look, I want you this afternoon to call your three greatest enemies. I want you to call the three people in your life that make life so difficult to live. I want you to call the three people that you have such a hard time forgiving. And I want you to tell them they're wrong. In. Does it have to be in any order or just, can we do it all at once? 
We're all about that because that makes us look good. That makes me look in the right and I can justify myself being righteous. We'd be all over that. But, but what if he called us to call those people and to plead with them to repent and experience God's blessing before it's too late and to forfeit it forever? Not sure about that one, which that is what he calls us to do, by the way. But that's a whole nother story. That's a hold on God. Um, we might need to pray and fast about this for like a month. I don't know that I can do that. I think a lot of people miss this. Jonah's not scared of the intimidations of Nineveh because it's a great city and it's, he, it's not that. You know why Jonah doesn't want to go? Jonah doesn't want his enemies experiencing the same grace that he's experienced. Just like you don't and just like I don't. Grace is good. Grace is glorious. Grace is beautiful when grace is for me. But when it's for the people that are hard for me to love, I don't know about grace. We might have to have a timeout for grace. Jonah doesn't want these people to come to know the Lord. He wants them murdered. Plus, God, what is everybody going to think? I mean, I got a name. I've got a reputation to protect. What are they going to think if you're sending me to their enemies to proclaim to them your what? what they're going to hate me. Tell me this. I always tell my kids this. There's one lesson to learn in junior high and nobody learns it. Nobody cares. It's so sad to see 40 and 50 and 60 year olds that never learned it. Nobody's looking at you because they're too worried about their own brokenness. Y'all, you wanna know one of the things that the gospel will strip away that's enslaving us? Do you wanna know where there's grace to set you free? Imprisoned by the opinions of others is slavery. If your life and worth revolves around the acceptance and approval of some group of people, you are shackled by the chains of a cruel master. Do you know where the gospel sets you free? The gospel of grace comes to us and says, you are more loved and accepted because of Jesus Christ right now than you can ever be. Whether you're living righteously or whether you just blew it last night in your sin, because of what Jesus did, the love of God for you if you belong to him doesn't fluctuate. You can't gain any more acceptance and lose any more acceptance than you have right now. You don't think that's freedom? You don't think that's liberty? Your heart is starving for that. To be loved and accepted regardless of all the things that you've ruined. And the gospel of grace points at the cross and says, he atoned for all that. That's separated as far as you from the east is from the west. That We're over that. One more thing I want you to see. And if you've never been mad at God, 
And you just think this is crazy that any of us should be able to relate to Jonah. Maybe this will do it. I want you to notice very briefly with me Jonah's response. And Jonah immediately got up and went to Nineveh and was faithful and preached the word of the Lord. We think that's what we're going to read. Like that's what everybody else does when God says, go tell them this. Okay. Not Jonah, because he's just like us. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. Tarshish is in southern Spain. On the map at the time, literally, Tarshish was known to them as the ends of the earth to the north. Tarshish. That is as far away as you've heard of that something exists. Southern Spain. Tarshish. Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, that was the nearest port city where he was, and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. And then there's a storm and a fish and Jonah's mad that the people repent. Here's what I want you to to, to remember. We got a bunch of Tarshishes, don't we? I do. I probably got more Tarshishes than you do. I would venture to stake that bet with you, my friends. I'm going to get as far away from this God and his word that I can because I am so angry. I am so bitter at him. You just watch this. What happens next tells us myriads about the God that we serve because he still does this. As terrifying as it is. We expect for God to see this and to intervene and to stop this nonsense and just find another more qualified, more willing, more obedient prophet. But he doesn't. I mean, the fingerprints of his sovereignty are all over verse three. Jonah goes down to Joppa. Notice that there's a descent. He goes down to Joppa. And guess what? When he gets there, there just happens to be a ship that's headed to the end of the earth. There just happens to be a boat, you're never going to believe this, that's going to Tarshish as far away as you can get from God at the time. And you're you're never going to believe this. Jonah reaches into his pocket and he's got enough money to pay the fare. And they've got a spot for him on the boat. It's not full. Jonah can afford it. It's heading to the end of the world and they've got a spot for Jonah on the boat. This is what terrifies me about our God. If you want to flee from his presence, he'll let you. He does. How many times have you desired to flee from the presence of the Lord and found out not only did he allow it, he made it easy. He greased the skids so that you could run from him. (laughs) After the whatever repeated time, you would think we would get it. He's gonna, he is really going to let me have my sin once again. This is why we can begin to identify with Jonah. His running posture from the Lord is the same as yours and mine every time we sin. Whether it's a big one or a little one or a public one or a private one. 
I remember, and I won't get specific because people in the room saw it. I remember when I was called, um, when the Lord started calling me to be in the ministry and I was like, no, we're not, that's not gonna happen. Um, And so I purposefully entered a season of my life purposefully saying to myself, watch this. I remember saying these words, I'm going to so disqualify myself that you will leave me alone. And so for eight or 12 months, I did everything. I threw off all restraints and I chased unbridledly after whatever I wanted. And, and, and I, I don't judge you for this. If you, I'm just, this is my story. Don't go home and Facebook that, that I'm mad about you about this. To me, the pinnacle, the pinnacle was at two in the morning about to get a tattoo. And I remember as the needle went into my skin thinking, I beat you. I, outs- I went further than you would go. I'm so out of bounds and disobedient. I was such a righteous older brother Pharisee. I broke one of the rules in the Old Testament. Look at me now. What are you going to do? Can't use me now. And I, I learned a painful lesson. God is not concerned with this stuff out here. God comes after hearts. And I remember waking up one morning in a fetal position, weeping because I came to the conclusion that he always wins. No matter how hard I try and no matter how hard you try and want to outrun him, you can't. If God has sovereignly placed his affection upon you in Christ, I got bad news for you this morning. You can't outrun him. You cannot sin greater than his grace will go. He will meet you there as if to say, do you want to keep going? I can keep going. We can go as long as you want to go. He wins. Do you see why God does this with Jonah and with us? For you shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. We're not told yet at this point in the story. It's still an open-ended question that's inviting us to ponder it further. This is why God sent Jonah and while God will pursue Jonah. Israel wasn't any more repentant after God blessed them under Jeroboam than they were before him. The entire point of the book of Jonah and the episode of his life is to stir up Israel to consider the character of this God that they profess to serve and to examine the nature of their relationship to him. Jonah's mission to Nineveh was to make Israel jealous as God displayed that he would bless a heathen nation that didn't deserve it, just like his own people didn't deserve it. Because his grace is to be celebrated by prodigals and elder brothers alike. Y'all, nobody has a monopoly on grace. 
not even the prodigal prophet. Can you celebrate that this morning? Can we celebrate the jealous love and affection of a God whose grace we can't outrun, whether we're trying to outrun him immorally or morally as a bunch of self-righteous Pharisees? For the older brother and the younger, if God has set his affection upon you in Christ, he will let you run But in the end, you will sing broken and delightfully of the beauties of his mercy and grace to you. And it will be the best defeat that you ever suffer. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning that you're not like us and that your ways are not our ways and that your thoughts are not like our thoughts. We are so messed up. We are so broken. And at the same time, we are yours. We are exactly what you wanted when you sent your son to die in our place. Father, would you, would you, would you, Renew in my own heart. Would you renew our fervor for the grace that would redeem a broken men and women like us? You love us more than we can sin. Oh, that tasting that freshly is what would make us hate our sin and delight in obeying you. God, you're going to have to do that in our hearts, would you? Would you cause us to hate what you hate and love what you love, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're on time, aren't we?